When I see these people now, I think, I want to be a better man. Are we all Ukrainians now? I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. We would appreciate you, and it would help to get these messages out if you would use the various uh, social sharing devices that are provided on the various platforms we're on to indicate your support for this program. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, I've been, like a lot of Americans, uh, glued to the TV and to Twitter and to news sources, um, reading coverage of the Russian invasion and war against Ukraine. Um, And I have been struck by uh, the kind of courage being expressed not just by people in leadership positions like President Volodymyr uh, Zelensky, but by average citizens uh, in Ukraine and people whose cities are under uh, siege or near the verge of being under siege, there where rockets and gunfire are heard and planes go overhead as do uh, combat helicopters. Um, and Stephen Green, it struck me that there... Um, there are people in Ukraine who are literally thinking, well, I'm not a soldier, but I will use what I have at hand here. If that's a bottle and some, uh, you know, petrol and a wick, I have a Molotov cocktail and I can do something with it. Maybe I can slow down a convoy. Um, and I just get this sense, Steve, that the world is seeing something happen in real time right now that it's not used to seeing. And I wonder if you think that this moment of clarity can really have an impact on the way we behave, um, and in particular on the way young people around the world behave uh, with regard to what's important in life. You know, one of my favorite things to look for on YouTube, because they're just amazing, are those uh, uh, Russian car crash or almost car crash videos. And the reason isn't the Russian driver is necessarily worse than anybody else in the world. It is that the Russian insurance situation is such that you would better have video proof of what happened. So everybody's got the dash mounted cameras. And when something crazy happens is in a country of 140 million people, a lot of them with cars, you're going to get aggregates and a lot of crazy videos, they upload the best and the worst and you get to watch them on YouTube and it's and it's greatly entertaining. I saw one of these videos earlier today, this is Tuesday, of a couple of young Ukrainian men in their car with the window rolled down, driving past a Russian convoy somewhere in Ukraine. And The guy in the passenger seat, you can kind of see accidentally, has a Molotov cocktail in his lap. And they're driving down this convoy looking for the right vehicle. And they come across a uh, tracked infantry fighting vehicle. I I wasn't sure if it was a BMP or a a BTR. I'm not as up to date as I was back in the Cold War days. And having seen a a vehicle that was presumably full of enemy soldiers, lit the Molotov cocktail, hit it right in the tracks, flames, everywhere throughout the tracks almost as once, you know, as, as the rubber and the, the lubricant start to catch fire. Was the thing disabled? I don't know. They kept driving. And the passenger, as uh, I think it was part of his seatbelt or part of his legs or part of the doors on fire, and he's trying to pat stuff out as they're driving away. But they never slowed down. They never did anything. It's just how 
even if you're a well-trained soldier, these are presumably Russian conscripts, so not very well-trained. If a car zooms past you and a Molotov cocktail flies out and it keeps zooming past you and never slowed down, how much time do you actually have to react? And so you have to admire just the sheer guts of these young men, not just to do this, but to have figured out in advance uh, the best way to do it in a way is to possibly, potentially, probably not get themselves killed and in a way to cause uh, max- maximum injury to the invaders um, and then to have gotten away with it and then to keep their cool when there are small things on fire in their own car. And if our own young people aren't it, aren't inspired by that somewhat, well, they ought to be. They need to get, uh, I th- don't think I've ever said this, they need to get on the internet more and look down some of these videos. It's it's truly inspiring. I saw, this, this is the last thing I have to say about this. I saw an article in The Atlantic today saying that whatever, whether Putin takes all of Ukraine, none of Ukraine, some of Ukraine, what he's really done is to revitalize uh, NATO and the European Union. He's, he's brought the West back together in a way we probably weren't even in the heady months after 9-11. And we haven't been for sure since the Berlin Wall fell down, or excuse me, was knocked down by East Germans themselves. Um, I would feel better about that if we had better leaders. But if our young people, heck, if our middle-aged people are getting inspired by this, then we're going to get better leaders. Bill Whittle, you talked a little bit in our backstage episode, which is uh, available to members only at BillWhittle.com, about the impact that uh, Volodymyr Zelensky's uh, actions have had in this moment on his people. Um, There are a lot of refugees that are trying to get out of the country and get their family out of harm's way, a lot of women and children especially, but not just women and children. You know, people are are trying to get out of the way of what is an overwhelming mechanized force that is, is coming uh, into their country, but there are a lot of people who aren't, um, and a lot of people are staying. Talk to me a little bit about the the impact of the actions of one man who, up until recently, was a comic actor on TV, and now has been thrust in at this hinge point in history. It, it's certainly been true for American history, but history has a way of of, of providing the man that's needed at the time. It's astonishing, really, if you think about how often that has happened and how miraculous it appears. Uh, my show this week is on morale. Uh, and also, I don't want to go too much into that, but, this, but, but certainly this. The first images out of Ukraine were just endless lines of cars fleeing the city. I mean, just, just to the horizon all of them going to get out of there. That's the first thing you see about about Ukraine, and then you realize that um, that this uh, that this president, who Putin called a drug addict and, and a loser, is a former stand-up comedian. Um, he is the target. Putin has a very clear military objective. His military objective is he has to install his puppet regime and he has to do it in Kiev and he has to do it to make it look like it's legitimate. He can't just declare that some guy who's living in the you know Caucasus someplace is the new president of Ukraine. He's got to put a guy into that office and he's got to and he's got to make it look official, which means that Zelensky has to be either exiled, captured or killed. And 
the person who took exile off the table is Zelensky. And, and so what you see here is you see, you see courage being generated in real time in front of your eyes. And it becomes a conflagration, conflagration becomes this mutually supporting feedback loop where where the president who is who is the he is the target of the invasion right this we really need to understand this he personally is the target of the invasion he has to be replaced the entire justification is that he's an illegitimate ruler of, of the ukraine so he has to either be killed or captured and for this guy to basically say I don't need, you know, America thought he was going to run too. Putin predicated the invasion on, on him running. There's no question in my mind about that. Him running and the rest of the Ukrainians basically just falling down. And when he didn't run, that's when things started to happen. We were so sure that he was going to run that not only Putin was sure he was going to run, we thought he was going to run. We made a little phone call and said, hey, we got a helicopter waiting for you. We'll get you out of there. Don't worry. He says, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Those kind of words become immortal. Those kind of words rally a people. And it's exactly the same thing with Churchill. We, we look at the British resistance during um, the early days of, of World War II and think, oh, you know, they always had it in them. No, they did not. You know, they just come off of 20 years of appeasement. They had just lost Poland had gone, and then France, which was their buffer and their ally, collapsed. And along comes this little fat man with a cigar, and basically everybody's telling him, you must try to get the best deal you can. So it's not so much a surrender, make a deal with Hitler. And he said, he said, if this long, if this, if our Long Island history must come to an end, this is speaking to Parliament, then let it end with all of us lying here on the floor of Parliament, you know, drowning in our own blood. Oh, yeah. and people who had opposed Churchill, who had opposed him from the beginning, who thought he was dangerous and insane, shot to their feet and cheered at the top of their lungs. As I, as I pointed out in the movie Back to America I just shot, my mom was a 10-year-old girl at the time of the Blitz. And eventually they moved the children out of London and into the countryside. But she remembers seeing small man, fat man in a one-piece jumpsuit, uh, standing on piles of bricks, going like this to, to the sky, you know, basically to the German bombers. And, and everybody said, Winston's here. And, the, and, and morale in London shot up enormously once Buckingham Palace had been bombed. And the king and queen said, now we can face the East Enders, right? Now that we've had bombs come through our palace, at least now we can face these people who've been taking the brunt of this. The, 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 the English morale improved to the point where towards, as, as the Blitz continued, the thing that the British took the most courage out of was the fact of how courageous they'd been before. So I knew that this was going to be very unexpected when by day two or three, I saw a Ukrainian woman who's a doctor in her early 30s saying, I am grabbing a rifle and I am going to the front. And then we saw Miss Ukraine, right? Yeah. We saw Miss Ukraine with a rifle. She's not posing for Instagram, you know? This is not a press release. Uh, she's going out there to fight. And the more of this you see, the more you begin to believe it. And I think probably, Scott, the only thing I can say about this is this Ukrainian invasion has brought reality back to the world. 
it has it, it, the end of history, right? Every time I think about the things that bother me about progressives, what always bothers me about them is not that if they're right, if they're right, then they're perfectly adapted for the world that's coming. What if they're wrong? What if there is more war? What if there is more aggression? What if there is more violence and conflict and you're not prepared for it? Well, turns out that sometimes reality has a vote and and that's what's happened here. And it has trivialized all of the things that we've inflated because they are in fact trivial. Well, I think Vladimir Putin uh, blundered into Ukraine and the only way that he could commit a bigger blunder is if he does anything to lay a finger on President Zelensky. Um, if he kills him, if he imprisons him, if he exiles him, if he does anything to harm that man, he will have cemented Zelensky's legacy as a hero. And he will have squandered what little opportunity he had to flee with his tail between his legs before things get really ugly for Russia. Um, I, I tell you, watching these people, not just Zelensky, not just the former president of Ukraine, who was also uh, getting his weapon and getting ready to defend uh, his neighborhood, um, not just Miss Ukraine, who I believe is the one who said, um, I cut my fingernails so that I can wield my weapon more effectively. Uh, you know, she's kind of a model character and <laughs> decided she couldn't do it with long fingernails. Um, those people who are filling up sandbags because they don't know what else to do and they, they're trying to protect their homes and, and their, their monuments. The older guys who were standing on a bridge in front of a convoy of Russian armored vehicles. And when I first saw them, they had their hands up and I thought, oh, they're surrendering to the Russians. And I realized, no, they're not surrendering. They're telling the Russians, stop, you can't come in. You're not allowed to go any further. I'm going to stand in front of this, you know, 100-ton vehicle or however much those things weigh and say, no, further, you can't go. And when I see this kind of behavior among a people who honestly I'd heard of Ukraine before, <laughs> I read about them in the news, but to be frank about it, uh, I cared so little about them like I do about the other, you know, 149 other countries in the world that I don't pay any attention to, um, to suddenly in a period of days start to look upon these people as my moral betters, as as aspirational characters for me, as people to look up to. When I see these people now, I think, I want to be a better man. I want to, I want to be courageous like this. I want to have such moral clarity that I know what my values are and that I'm willing to sacrifice everything to defend those that are most precious. And I think this, as Gerard Baker in the Wall Street Journal called it, this moment of clarity is going to spread around the world. I think a lot of young people, and it's not just young people who, who struggle with these kinds of things. We geezers do the same. But I think a lot of young people are going to take inspiration when they see their fellow 19-year-olds who, like them, a few weeks ago, were probably sitting on a couch playing video games, are now standing in the streets with Molotov cocktails in their hands and saying, I'm going to stop the convoy. I'm going to protect my town. I'm going to guard my mother. That makes you want to be a better person. And here's hoping that we take the lesson to heart and let it last long beyond this conflict. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 